You're listening to Speak Loud, resilient stories of triumph and hope, helping you to turn your past into fuel for your best future. Here's your host, founder of the 501c3 Share, providing resource and support for trauma victims, and a survivor herself, Tiffany Barnes. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Speak Loud podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tiffany Barnes, and thank you for joining me here today. We've got a pretty cool guest in store, I would say. I've only had maybe a few doctors on the show so far. Uh, I have Dr. Ni Dang in the house, and he is actually coming from Southern California. He is a family medicine physician. He's been doing that for over 10 years, and he has a unique opportunity to provide care for patients from children to geriatric patients, ranging from mental health to physical ailments. And gathering from his experiences, he feels he can give a deeper view of mental health. Without further ado, please welcome the amazing Needang. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. You're I'm, welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, I want to talk more about your journey, but before we talk about your journey, let's ask the burning question I ask every single guest. What are you here to speak loud about? Yes, my message I wanted to relay was in terms of mental health is to be proactive rather than reactive. I think we're in a society where we're so uh, reactive that we're not, um, that we're always falling behind and trying to always pay catch up. So I think in terms of mental health, it should be like your physical health. It should be proactive instead of uh, waiting for something to happen to become reactive. Absolutely. So you deal with patients anywhere from the mental health side of things to obviously the physical ailments out there. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about some of the own your own uh, things you've dealt with in life as far as trauma goes. So give us a very surface level. Of course, we don't want to trigger anybody, but you yourself have been through some traumatic experiences. Yeah. So in my profile, um, you know, I was born in Vietnam. We, our family emigrated here when I was uh, six turning seven. Um, you know, my whole world was basically turned upside down. You know, all my friends were uh, in Vietnam. Uh, we had such a big cultural change. Uh, I knew zero words of English and then getting thrown into um, a area where I was a pretty much the only immigrant in that area. And so then I stood out like a sore thumb. It was a big shift in in my, what I'm used to in terms of uh, my network of friends and my support. It was, I just felt totally alone and outcasted. Sure. Yeah. You had to get outside your comfort zone for sure. Whole new country, whole new culture, whole new experience altogether. So coming here, was it difficult for you to acclimate and start to make friends? Or was it just more inside your head thinking, oh, my gosh, this is so different. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Well, the whole culture, you know, it's a lot different. You know, I talked about the, um, for example, I remember my first day of school. I didn't speak a word of English, went to class, found my class. Somehow, I don't remember how, (laughs) sat in class. (laughs) My first memory was um, the little boy. I don't know what happened because I didn't know, understand what he was saying to the teacher, but he kind of lost it, threw a tantrum, went up to the front of the class, knocked over all the books to the ground, and the teacher just stood there and watched him. It was just a a huge culture shock for me because in Vietnam, you 
really respect your teachers. You don't, you never would do such a thing. And for me, I was just taken aback. What the heck is going on here? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't even know what to do. So I went up there and just picked up the books and handed it back to the teacher. <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, how is he getting away with this? And why is he acting this way? I mean, it was just a big cultural change and change in mindset that I was like, what is going on? Sure. And so you've been able to further your education. Of course, now you're a doctor. I'm sure your parents are very uh, proud of that. The fact that, you know, you guys were immigrants and you came here really it doesn't sound like having anything. Yeah. Um, did you have family here already to come to or did was this a complete fresh start? Uh. We did have family here. We went away, moved here. I, we actually moved in with one of my aunts, um, but she was a a um, widow, so she didn't have any kids. She was by herself. So then she welcomed the company. <laughs> okay. So um, she was the the closest family we had in the area. Okay. So you guys come here. Obviously, now you've got your doctorate and you're doing what you're doing uh, out there, helping people with different ailments physically and mentally. What made you want to get into that profession to begin with? You know, actually, my uh, whole family, my my older sister, my older brother, they both went into medicine. And I was the youngest in the family. So I you know, looked up to my siblings and I saw how well they're doing and how much they're impacting the community so it's just what following suit awesome your parents have got to be thrilled with that then not just you but all three have yeah, pursued medicine happy. that's very great so uh with this physical and mental stuff that you're doing i know you're a family physician mm -hmm. so when you said the mental side of things i myself didn't know that my own family physician does that so describe what it is you do to help people in the mental capacity side of things yeah, so a lot of times the um, the general public they have a lot of symptoms, but may be causing it. I don't think anyone goes in and says, "Oh, I've been suffering from anxiety" or "I've been suffering from depression." A lot of times they come up with different symptoms, and then you know, after deep diving, talking to them, um, kind of digging more into it, is when you know we find out that you know there's something else that's uh, underneath. That's not just there their um, somatic complaints. Sure. So they might be saying, oh, hey, I feel lightheaded or I feel dizzy or heart palpitations or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm describing things that may have even happened to, to myself. You know, I call that a panic attack. Yeah. Um, but uh, how have you seen that trauma affects the body? Obviously, I mentioned a few things there, but uh, where is that correlation? Where's that even coming from? Is it something within your front frontal lobe? Is that something that uh, obviously we've heard of fight, flight, or freeze? How much about that do you know? Yeah, you know, I don't think there's um, any studies to show a any like um, direct path, but there is a strong connection between you know trauma and a lot of somatic symptoms. Sometimes this you have a lot of symptoms that uh, you know we work up. We're like, oh. Wonder what's been causing all this? You know, you kind of explore everything, and nothing's everything's kind of run into a dead end, and then that's when you kind of explore. Maybe something else underlying might be causing this, and I think that's where that will play a factor. I don't think there's um, anything that any studies that show like a direct, you know, pathway in terms of what causes that. But there is, you know, um, anecdotal, you know, from my point of view, I see a lot of the 
those somatic symptoms being uh, caused from any underlying trauma. So you mentioned somatic systems. I know what a somatic uh, symptom, sorry. I know Mm -hmm. what a somatic system is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So describe that to somebody who may not really understand that verbiage. What is a somatic system? We all have one. Yeah. So somatic symptoms, basically any like um, symptoms that you are constantly experiencing, for example, like some people just like, you know, my uh, muscles and my joint body is always hurting. I'm always tired. Um, I feel like I have no energy. You know, some of those are like somatic symptoms that you may be displaying, but sometimes there's no, um, when you do a whole medical workup, maybe there's nothing that's really popping up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So somatic system, I want to talk more about that because I have a somatic healer I work with out of Portugal. And I think that a lot of times people don't realize that trauma that you've been through can be not only stored in your nervous system, but can directly affect the cells within your body. And what I mean by that is if you hold on to um, certain, and this is just, correct me if I'm wrong, certain uh, energy around abuse and uh, negativity, that negativity can transmute itself into the form of like cancer within your body. Is that correct? I think, you know, there is definitely a component of that. I don't think there's any, um, like I said, I don't think there's any studies that shows a, a, Direct correlation, Direct correlation but I think, you know, definitely trauma and stress definitely will affect your body in more ways than we uh, definitely uh, have thought it could. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so as a doctor, so I want to, I want to be the devil's advocate here. Some people are like, well, I'm not going to go tell my doctor my problems because they're just going to prescribe me a pill, right? They're going to be like, oh, doctors just want to prescribe you something. Do you have some uh, certain modalities that you use other than just like, oh, here's a Xanax or here's a depression med, you know, things of that nature? Are there other modalities that you recommend for your patients uh, that you might prescribe? Yeah, you know, like, for example, for anxiety, you know, there's something called a cognitive behavioral therapy. So a lot of other techniques that you can uh, learn as well, not just medication, but it is something that. Um, requires effort and time and doesn't fix itself right away. So mm-hmm. I think it's up to, uh, I think if the patient buys into it and willing to work with the, with the um, provider and kind of take their time and go through the process, I think it, there are definitely different um, uh, treatments rather than just popping a pill. Sure. Yeah. Like I say, I feel like a lot of people think that's my, that might be what a doctor does, right? Just prescribe things. Uh, so I myself have seen that yoga and meditation can affect me greatly in my um, overcoming trauma in my life. Have you seen that with your patients as well? Is that something you've prescribed or suggested? Yeah. You know, yoga, meditation are definitely very helpful. For example, um, uh, this condition, you know, called fibromyalgia, where you kind of just feel free tired all the time with joint pain, muscle pain, feel like having no energy. For the, for those for that condition, you know, a lot of triggers um, can set that off, you know, depending on trauma, stress, whatever going on in their life. And mm-hmm. for that, yoga and meditation definitely helpful, you know, um, exercise and kind of aerobic exercises. Those are all great treatments for that kind of condition. Mm, okay. Perfect. I love that you've said that. What about journaling? Have you ever recommended that for your clients as well? Yeah, journaling, I think anything that kind of lets you get your feelings and emotion out 
mm-hmm. on something, I think would be a, a great way to do it. You know, some people do therapy, they talk to therapists. Um, some people, you know, journaling would be a, also a great alternative, just kind of getting it out there. So do you do virtual uh, diagnosis as well? Or is this just something that people can come in physically to your office? Or do you, again, offer that virtual uh, modality as well? Or option, I guess I should say. Uh, you know, in my clinic, we do have virtual care as well, but the majority of the visits are office visits. Okay. I asked that just because if somebody was tuning into this podcast and they really resonated with you, maybe they wanted to reach out to you for treatments of any kind. Uh, is that something where somebody can, you know, go to a certain website and find you and be able to do the virtual care? Um, I actually work for a uh, an HMO, so if you don't belong to the HMO, then I, I'm not uh, allowed to see anyone outside of the HMO. Got it. Uh, but you know, I think there's a lot, a lot of great resources out there. A lot of um, third parties that are doing a virtual care for mm-hmm. mental health. So I think that's actually um, a, a growing thing right now. So I think if someone's interested, I think those third parties are uh, popping up and they provide great care. Love it. What do you know for sure? You know, I know for sure that love will always triumph over hate. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like. So that's why I'm trying to spread the message of just self-care and love yourself and take care of yourself. As if, you know, don't let you know, all the other distractions, all the harmful thoughts kind of affect you more than your, what it should do. Yeah, let's talk about self-care for a moment. Let's say somebody is listening to this podcast and they can barely even afford to have a cell phone, right? To pay that cell phone bill. Are there some very inexpensive modalities? Of course, we've kind of already mentioned a few here uh, that you would recommend in your expertise to help somebody that's going through a traumatic experience. Yeah, actually, the um, I'm not sure you heard about it, but uh, it's called Mindfulness Meditation. Mm. totally free uh you can uh, go on youtube you have uh, any internet connection you can uh search mindfulness meditation it's actually a derived from uh, the buddhist religion which basically what that does it's a different from normal meditation where um you kind of clear your mind and you know go to this uh, different realm but with mindfulness meditation actually it's opposite to that you actually want to concentrate on the the moment at hand and then it, uh, the, a lot of the meditation um, videos you go through, they basically just have you start scanning your body from head to toe. So you follow along and basically just be in the moment and kind of accept what you're feeling and feel what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that way, actually, it uh, will clear your mind, help you be live in the moment, you know, not live in the past where you have all these, you know, regrets and depression and then not live in the future where you causes a lot of anxiety. Actually just lets you um, be in the moment at that moment in time and actually live life. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because uh, I actually just read something about this the other day saying that if you do experience severe depression and anxiety, you're kind of caught between two worlds, right? Your depression is you're living in the past. You're thinking about the things that happened to you in the past, where if you have too much anxiety or, again, the combination of the depression and anxiety, you're looking too far ahead into the future. So it's that middle part, as you mentioned, being in the moment is where that Mm -hmm. magic happens, that magic of growth, that magic of healing. Um, you know, to be able to really kind of face head on, um, 
where you're feeling in the moment, but then also not thinking too far ahead so that you're stressing yourself out with that anxiety. And that's something that I myself have dealt with going through all forms of abuse. And I know a lot of people that that tune into this podcast have dealt with depression and anxiety or both. So yeah. as far as those two go, I know you say live in the moment and you mentioned mindfulness, mindfulness meditation, which I think is huge. But is there something other than mindfulness meditation that you would recommend? And I, and the reason I say that before you answer is I think oftentimes when people have been through traumatic experiences, for them to sit in silence and let their mind like be their guide, right? Sometimes that happens in meditation. Those thoughts flood in. Sometimes people don't want to be alone with their thoughts because then that's where some of that past, you know, stuff that's causing them the depression kicks in. So what advice do you have on that regard? Yeah, so that's why mindfulness meditation is much different than normal meditation where you know mind gets distracted. So actually if you uh, the mindfulness meditation is a guided meditation where you mm-hmm. actually follow along and it uh will basically it's almost like a movie where you're following along. So it doesn't allow your mind to kind of just wander off. And then if it does wander off, the uh, the guided meditations actually kind of pull you back and think, okay, we're back here now. So it kind of brings you back. So it's not like a, a typical meditation. So the mindfulness meditation is completely different from other types of meditation in the past mm. that um, we're, we're um, accustomed to. So it's actually a guided meditation where you follow along. So it doesn't allow you to, your mind to wander as much as uh, where just a, a, you know, what a typical meditation that we're used to is just be in silence. So it's actually not in silence. It's a guided meditation. So it's a totally different mind thought process in terms of a meditation. Is this something that you practice yourself? Actually, I do. I do mindfulness meditation before I go to bed. It helps uh, clear my mind and lets me uh, fall asleep easier. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, actually, before even the meditation, the guided meditation is over. I'm, I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So is this an app that you download? You said you do go to YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. I know there's different apps out there. I myself have used. Um, have you heard of anything called binaural beats? No, I have not, but uh, there's an app I use. It's the Calm app. That one uh, does a lot of mindfulness meditation. Okay. So the reason I was bringing up the binaural beats is our brain obviously has a certain frequency, right? And Mm -hmm. sometimes our brain can go to from one frequency to another, depending on our thoughts. And that's something I've been exploring quite a bit. So I just thought maybe because you're a doctor, let me throw it your way, see what you know. But uh, so I'll tune in to different frequencies while I sleep. So my subconscious mind, right, as as I'm getting into that Mm -hmm. state of like lucid dreaming or astral travel and things like that. I can listen to a certain frequency to help me uh, heal a certain part of my inner child, let's say, right? So if I listen to 456 hertz, that's going to be a certain frequency within my brain that's going to help me kind of clear out that level, if you will. Have you, you've never experienced this yourself, though? No, I have not heard of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've I've been loving it. I've been doing it for about a year now. I've been getting oh, some okay. great sleep. So maybe something you can try too. Didn't think I'd be teaching the doctor something, but <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to look into that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that uh, has helped me significantly. So I want to ask you, what are you hoping the audience is going to take away from our conversation today, or the listener rather? Yeah, you know, with mental health and trauma, I think a lot of it is 
there's just stigma that we don't really want to talk about it. We're kind of want to keep it buried deep inside. And a lot of times we're kind of embarrassed to even speak up about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with mental health, I feel like there's, we need more advocate to kind of speak up and allow um, just more conversation, and especially with um, uh, adults uh, and their children. You know, the, the reason why uh, I, uh, wrote my children's book series on uh, mental health is to help advocate the open the dialogue between parents and their children. Uh, the reason I did that was, you know, six months into the pandemic, you know, I found out that uh, my nephew committed suicide. Oh, wow. So, you know, it hit the family really hard. It was, everyone was caught off guard, you know, and you know, having survivor skill, you always think, you know, what could I have done? But, to maybe change that outcome. So I decided, you know what, there's such a discrepancy in care for mental health in terms of physical health. that I wanted to just do something to help open that door where parents can speak to their children. So, you know, maybe if my uh, cousin spoke to his, his son more, maybe they might've made some kind of difference. Mm. How young was he? was 21 so oh, he wow. was older but um i think after uh, talking to my mom i think they kind of suspected for a, a quite some time but they really really talked to him much about it they just you know kind of brushed it off like you know right so you wrote these children's books these children's books are geared to what ages so i think mental health is kind of a heavy topic so the book um, the the children's book that I wrote are more at the middle ages where they kind of start to understand these heavier topics, mm-hmm. and then they're still at an age where their um, you know, parents can kind of speak to them about it and get that dialogue going. I think after a certain age, is you know they're just closed off; they don't want to talk to their parents about anything. So, sure, <laughs> after a certain age, I think it's kind of hard to get that conversation going. But uh, I wanted to start where an age where they're old enough to kind of understand these you know uh, topics and then two they're but they're still young enough that they're willing to speak to the parents openly and kind of have a, a, a dialogue and open discussion without feeling like they they're they need to kind of close off or feel embarrassed or anything what's the name of these children's books i didn't even see this in your bio by the way so i'm glad okay. we're talking about this right now <laughs> uh what are the names of these children's books? you wrote several or just the one yeah, it's a series. Um, the series is called The Adventures of Max and Friends. And then um, I wrote a series of eight books. Each book um, will touch on a different uh, mental health topic uh, that a typical middle graders uh, may experience. So give us a couple of topics that you've written about. Sure. You know, when I first immigrated here, I experienced a lot of discrimination and bullying. So the first book is on bullying and you know, some resources for parents and how they can help their kids uh, if they're noticing the kids are being bullied. Mm-hmm. Um, the second book is actually about um, uh, learning disabilities. So basically, I just want to give parents some resources that are available for the kids having kind of learning disabilities and things to look out for and know, know when to, to step in, you know, know when they actually need help with school and they have something else that's underlying that they may have not caught. 
Okay. Can you give us a couple of examples of some other ones? I know yeah. you said there's eight, so yeah, I want to yes. hear a few more. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. And then the book three actually uh, will go into how to deal with uh, failures. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times our parents don't kind of help their kids through you know, tough positions and um, how to deal with failures. Uh, you know, the, um, the reason I touch on that topic actually because the um, there's a pretty well-known psychologist, uh, Dr. Duckworth. She found out that the the number one skill that you determines your success is not your talent, it's not your IQ, it's not like your God-given abilities. It's actually grit. Hmm. Interesting. So kids, yeah. So the kids that are the most successful are the kids with the the strongest grit. Not the kids that are the smartest kid, not the kids that are the most talented kid. So that's why I want to kind of reinforce that how to deal with failures. If you get, you know, if you don't fail, you can't really succeed. So if you fail and then you give up, then you're never going to succeed. So is grit something, though, something that you are born with or something that you cultivate? Yeah, no. So grit, no one's born with grit. I mean, some people are born with you know, a little bit higher levels of grit than others, but grittiness is something that can be learned and taught and and uh, cultivated. So definitely something that uh, a message you want to spread that you can learn grit. I mean, mm-hmm. if you so you know if you're not allowing yourself to fail and not allowing to accept that failure and then moving on and learning from that failure and moving on, then it's really hard to succeed. So that's why the message with that book is to learn how to take that failure, learn from it, and then move on. So I love that you've dove into this because it is good to help our children at a very fundamental level, right? Because it starts there. As I was mentioning earlier, sometimes when I'm doing my meditation, I'm healing that inner child. So the work that you're doing is actually with the inner child now, which I really love. So eight books, though. So I'm about to put out my first book uh, next this coming January. It's taken me 22 years to write one. So how in the world did you write eight in a matter of what the pandemic was 2020 to yeah. now? How did you write so many books in such a short amount of time? You know, I the stories actually are my own stories and the stories of my patients that kind of stuck with me. You know, after I came up, I really wanted to write something to to help. You know, all the stories kind of just, I started thinking, like, what stories can I bring up? And it just all it just came together. Wow. And so do you have the, uh, there's illustrations as well, I would imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you do the il- illustrations as well? Yeah. So I also did the illustrations for all the books. So you also, not only are you a doctor, you're an artist. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's my uh, my hobby. I when I was a kid, I loved art. I actually uh, wanted to be an artist, and somewhere along the way, you know, school got in the way, and haven't really <laughs> done much art until now. Okay, so uh, I'm imagining you have these in your uh, lobby. I guess is what it's called, right? There at your mm-hmm. office, these books. Mm-hmm. And do you have the books for sale right there in your office, or do you have a website? Where do people buy these? Yeah, you can buy it on the web my uh, through my website at www.theadventuresofmaxandfriends.org, or just Google the Adventures of Max and Friends, uh, and the, my uh, website should come up. Wonderful. 
That's so incredible. I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you about the doctor side of things, and then I'm like, what? Now you wrote children's books, too? I must have missed that somewhere on uh, the bio. But what an incredible thing. So what what are you going to do here in the next five years? What's on the horizon for you? Are you going to continue to grow this series? Do you think you might go into more young adult? Or you know, what do you envision yourself doing in the next five years to continue to make an impact? Yeah, so the... Uh... I'll finish the the story. So the, my uh, and then book four will touch on um, panic attacks and anxiety and uh, anxiety. I think a lot of kids do experience that and they don't know what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. So that will help them kind of see um, what symptoms they may have that can indicate they may have something like some panic attacks and anxiety. And then um, book five, the main topic is actually uh, depression. It's a, a um, one of the characters, you know, she moved, she's a new kid to the area. Her parents are uh, just separated and she's going through a tough time trying to deal with uh, the separation and being the new kid and just kind of accepting everything. So that book five is about um, depression. And then book six is actually about um, internet safety. And how sometimes you know, there are a lot of predators out there that can prey on children and pretend to be their friends. So you know, that just kind of speaks on more um, things to look out for on the internet these days, especially with every kid having a computer these days. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I've seen that even just with my uh, niece and nephew. They'll get on YouTube and they like to watch these videos of people opening presents. Like, I don't even know how this is a thing, but we're tr- now kids want to watch other people open presents. But if you're not careful, I have seen not good videos peppered in there and I'm grabbing the phone like, whoa, 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 what are you watching? You know, yeah. so the Internet can be very dangerous for children, for sure. I'm glad you wrote about that. And then uh, the book following that was about uh, discrimination and how we can fight discrimination together and how as a community we can stand up to discrimination. And then the last book um, is a, a little my story. You know, I lost my grandma uh, when I was 17 and I think that was the first person I really lost. Uh, I hope dear like dear to my heart so the last book is actually addressing how to deal with losing a loved one especially you know most of us grieve a little differently at different stages and you know how to just talk to children about uh, losing a loved one and you know how to help them grieve have you heard some amazing testimonials from your book so far and if so give us a few give us a few examples of some of the testimonials you've heard like the impact you've already made yeah, so for example, um, in my clinic, I um, our pharmacy staff, you know, they are um, supportive and uh, they um, supported the book. Uh, one of the pharmacists, she uh, told me that, you know, oh yeah, I really like Georgia book. I read it and I gave it to my niece. Uh, I was like, oh, sure. How did she like the book? She said, oh yeah, she really liked the book. And then as I was talking to her about it, she actually opened up to me that she herself has been bullied in the last two years and she hasn't really told anyone until now. Wow. So, so I mean, that really, that's exactly what I was looking for, you know, to kind of help that dialogue. Sometimes you, the kids are afraid to, 
talk about certain topics and hopefully having a segue into that might be so easier to bring up. So that was exactly what I was hoping would happen. So hearing that really confirm what you know my goal was. So really more me push forward and trying to get the book out there to as many kids as I can. Yeah, absolutely. I bet that's very uh, much drives you to maybe do some more for the series too, which I foresee you doing. Do you think you're going to do more for the series? Yeah, I think, um, you know, maybe in a year or so, I do want to probably uh, do the series too and kind of expand on, on the first series and touch on topics that are uh, have not been touched on. Mm. Very cool. So I want to follow that up with one of my more uh, favorite questions that I ask on this podcast. What inspires you? What empowers you? What inspired me was actually um, my kids as well. You know, I have two little girls. Um, They're two and four. Mm -hmm. You know, after hearing about uh, my uh, nephews committing suicide, you know, the first thing I thought it was about was them, where I thought, Man, I don't know how I would deal with that if something like that happened to my own kids. So, you know, thinking about how other parents would feel, it that's what inspired me. I'm like, you know what, I want to do something to help maybe save that one life that, that one parent didn't have to hear that news that their the kid committed suicide or they lost their kid to some mental health condition. I think that's what really inspired me. Just like this what like I said. That's why I love, I think, triumphs all. I think my love for my kids really made me want to do something to help prevent maybe that other, that one parent, even that one parent from losing their one child. And, you know, really, the st- statistics are frightening for teenage suicide or just suicide under the age of 18. There's a lot of kids doing that right now. And unfortunately, a lot of that is due to bullying. You know, um, we've had some stories here where I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, of just some traumatic uh, tragic um, yeah. suicides happening, you know, because kids are like, why don't you just go kill yourself? Like, why would one child say that to another child? I know I never experienced that when I was a kid. I've never seen that in any school setting or um, friend setting or anything like that. But for some reason, it, it's almost like a trend. I hate to say that, but it's like this trend is going around where you're encouraging others to kill themselves. I mean, where did this even come from? That's just absurd. Yeah, I mean, it's society now is a much different place than what it was. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I, I feel like there's such a need to talk and open up about mental health and how serious it is. It's not something where you just kind of throw out and just say whatever you want to say. I, I think yeah. you need to kind of know the repercussions and know the impact that your words can have. And I think that starts at home. You know, I think uh, it's a conversation that needs to be had at home first. Kind of talk to your your parent. Parents need to kind of educate their kids, and I think it's a conversation that starts at home as opposed to um, anywhere else. So I think hopefully, you know, the the book will be a, a, a will open that dialogue between the parents and the children about these topics. Like, hey, you know, these are. Um, some things that can happen with bullying. These are some things that can happen with depression, anxiety, and kind of just have them open that that door and have them start talking about it. So, you know, for one, maybe it could prevent prevent it. Uh, one kid from you know doing something to another kid, or do just prevent that kid from doing something themselves. Do you think that maybe down the future, I don't know, maybe this isn't like your wheelhouse, but do you think you might do one of these types of books, um, like a 
mental health series for adults? I mean, I would have to see, but I think the um, it will begin with uh, my goal is to start with kids. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know they are the future, and I think that would be a good jump off point. And then you know, seeing how that goes, I think then you can kind of expand to adults as well. But uh, you know, with the books, I think even though it's geared for for middle-aged kids i think if an adult reads it there is a a kind of deeper level behind those books and a deeper meaning that Mm -hmm. um, adults can kind of take away from the books as well i'm picturing like disney movies that have adult lessons in them (laughs) like i don't know if you've ever seen the the movie soul that Uh came out like a couple years ago i was like this is for me not for my niece or nephew like this is so like there's so many meanings in here for me so Anyhow, well, the time is flying, so we must get uh, on with our 20 questions here soon. But before we do, uh, give me that website again on where people can uh, find you and purchase your series one more time. Yeah, it's uh, www.theadventuresofmaxandfriends.org or again, Google the Adventures of Max and Friends and it will take you to the website. And do you have a Facebook page or Instagram page for the series as well or no? Uh, no, just do the website. And the website, if you have any questions or concerns or anything you want to reach out to me, you can do uh, so through the website. Okay, perfect. All right, let's switch gears a little bit here. I want to do 20 questions. I'm not going to ask you 20 questions. I'm just going to have you choose a number between 1 and 20. Let's do a round number 10. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> I can't make this stuff up. It says... What is your favorite knock-knock joke? (laughs) (laughs) And that's so perfect because you write children's books and I'm sure you know a knock-knock joke. So give me a knock-knock joke. What's your favorite one? Let me try to remember why. (laughs) I haven't uh, done one in such a long time. And don't be giving me the knock-knock joke about the orange, okay? That's the one everybody knows. (laughs) All right, let me see. That's a good one. Let me. Are you researching the internet to... now? <laughs> hey, no cheating. Now. You can't be using Google. No, I'm trying to remember. I'll give you one while you're remembering. How about that? Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? You don't need to cry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there there you have it. There, there's my knock, knock. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. And you catch me off guard with this question. <laughs> I know. Do you want to choose another one? Because you don't know one right off the top of your head. All right. Let me, let me do eight then. All right. I don't ever let anybody choose another number. <laughs> so you must be special. All right. Uh, what is your go-to karaoke anthem? Believe it or not, I am big fan of uh, Destiny's Child. <laughs> okay. So my go-to anthem would be the, their uh, their big hit, the Bootylicious song. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you do karaoke, Bootylicious. I got to be there. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have you done that before? At home. <laughs> <laughs> Not out in public. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Okay. You definitely gave me a laugh on that one. <laughs> Destiny's Child Bootylicious. You guys can't see me, but I can. And I'm just trying to picture him singing Bootylicious. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. Well, I want to say thank you so much for joining me here today and continuing to be a lighthouse for others. I mean, I really do feel, as you've mentioned, it starts with the kids, right? It starts, I wish there would have been the resources that I've been able to interview you about today. Uh, available to me when I was suffering through many of the topics that you've already discussed. And I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there that are going to tune into this episode and want to buy your books. Uh, So you guys do him a favor, go buy these books, share them with your kids. These are important topics that must be discussed. And it sounds like he's really put them in a, a, a great package to be able to understand and relate to and have it resonate with them. So keep doing what you're doing, keep shining your light. And as always, you guys, You are worthy, you are enough, and keep on shining your light as well. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Speak Loud. If this message resonated with you, please feel free to share it with anyone you feel could use the support. To find out more information about SHARE, our movement, and to join the cause, please visit sharethemovement.org. Until next time.